Is it share time? It's share time in punk theology. Everybody put oh, on a warm... Get, your, get that voice on. Put a warm fucking sweater on. Get your I'm good enough, Mr. smart enough, and smart, smart enough. Hi, neighbors. Smart enough. God damn it, people like me. Hey. This is Punk Theology, the podcast. PunkTheology.com PunkTheology.com, the podcast. Please stop. It's okay. You tried. Sharon Care. It's Sharon Care on Punk Theology. Well, I need to put my... Thanks for sharing. Yes. 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 Um, your warm sweater. Po- stoke the fire. That's get, right. Get your blanket. Class Preferably off. wool. John's uh, missing today. John's... No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, oh, Edit it. Reboot the show. Flight 209er, you are cleared for takeoff. Flight 209er, clear for Vector 324. We have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our Vector, Victor? Now I radio clearance, over. That's Clarence, over. Over. Roger. Huh? Roger, over. What? Hey! Who? <laughs> Commence reboot of the show. Stand by. Rebooting the show. Reboot of the show is underway. Please stand by. Stand by. Rebooting the show. Okay, the show's been rebooted. Have we ever taken off successfully? <laughs> I know we haven't landed like, successfully. What are oh, we I will say, John, who? We land. I, we're missing a John. I just finished the loneliness John episode. You weren't here during the loneliness I was episode. not here during the original. You were sitting at home alone. I, yes, I was home alone. Um, <laughs> the jar of And I will say... Minus Plus Russ interruption. That was the best ending to an episode oh, thank you. ever. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Are we on that? Are we back on? No. <laughs> we're back on, yes. We're back on. We're recording. Awesome. Yes, we're back. Oh, what so kind of least, was it? Minus Rush? R- uh, minus minus Russ's interruption. Rush? Russ? <laughs> Rush? <laughs> this is going to be a fun episode. Who's <laughs> been smoking tonight? <laughs> God, Not sitting me. too close to Arthur. A cra- it was a crash landing. <laughs> However... <laughs> It was great. Derek Derek pulled it off. I crashed it nicely. Yeah. You did a bounce landing? <laughs> I stuck it was in, we'll, we'll call it an emergency landing. It really wasn't a crash. because That's uh, true. Rush tried to crash it. <laughs> so, so what? the fuel off. <laughs> so what is so this? Is your imagination. Are we talking about imagination? Sharing, I don't know. Sharing, sharing and caring. The sharing, yeah, sharing, sharing and caring. Sorry, theology. We rebooted the show. Rebooted the show. Rebooted. That's right. And uh, share and care. Everybody put on a warm sweater. I think that this needs to be like branded as uh, raw release. Raw release. Yeah. Raw I think that's a porno. <laughs> no, it's a porno. It is definitely a porno. <laughs> but no, it's like more like a punk song. Like we just wrote this and we're gonna like. Play it tonight. Amen. It's on a raw That's right. No, we just we'll, came up with this shit. We're writing the it. Shaming Carrie is just not very. It'll be a best-selling book in seventeen years. Oh, it's gonna be dead. Raw release. <laughs> raw release by Russ. <laughs> by Arthur. On that being said, if you would like to share, 
go ahead and write us on one of our what podcasts, theology <laughs> podcast at gmail.com is our is our official email address for this and don't wear out your keyboard while you write out punk theology podcast at gmail.com we should probably also register fuck I forgot the address at gmail.com <laughs> yeah I bet you get some awesome that. email from that we I bet you that domain's taken if not <laughs> somebody right now is out there going fuck I gotta get that if it's available because <laughs> we're broadcasting live yeah we are that's yes. right Live. It's our 100th episode. <laughs> from we're a year old, by the way. Do we, we ever are. mention that we're a year yeah, we old? Have this thing's day. a year old. Last time I checked, guys, we Maybe have Carlton. We have. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so here's something interesting. Some stats. The, ma- the <coughs> one major city in the world who we're most listened to is San Francisco. It's not Seattle. Seattle's second. Yeah, San Francisco. In uh, San Francisco. <laughs> so, thank you, all the listeners in San Francisco. Also, why? <laughs> There's a lot of weird questions. This is why. They're questioning their... uh, Not religion, because we don't really talk about religion. Life choices when they try to buy a house. (laughs) (laughs) That too. Theology, a little bit. The UK is is up there. But this is just stats from the last week. So we had about 200 listens in the last week. And out of those 200 listens, most people were in San Francisco. Second most were Seattle. And the third was... Um, I think it was here in Everett. Everett. Yeah, yeah, Everett. yeah, that's right. I had the best Which four be years of my life in San Francisco. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. Was it the 60s? It was the 70s. Okay, By that much. <laughs> See that? I did some work in <laughs> San Francisco. We're still catching the tail. But I did catch no, the tail. I, I was born in 68. Hate Ashbury. Oh, oh yeah. You're not going to die. Yeah. Like, nice. Steve. Was it fun? Yeah. Was there... It was really... It had been really cleaned up. Oh yeah, and it wasn't. I was just enamored with the whole hate Ashbury intersection, right? Core of hate in Ashbury, and that. It, but in the seventies, the early to mid seventies, like well, late mid to late seventies, I graduated in seventy nine. The whole city had cleaned up considerably. So you went to school in San Francisco. Went to school there. Nice. And That's right. You were, you were talking about that. Yes. Outer at the Outer Mission District for those that are listening in San Francisco. Yeah. Spent many of. Uh, a session up at McLaren Park with those of female gender. <laughs> okay. Were you exploring your sexuality? I was. I was. <laughs> nice. I was. And, and your parents were worried about you. Yeah. Does that mean you were looking at the girl's knees when she was walking down the street uh, in shorts? Yeah, foot rubs. Yeah. Yeah, you're, yeah I know your thing. feet. Speaking of sharing hearing, yeah, Steve <laughs> expressed his love to feet. Towards us. So send him your feet picture. Oh, hell no! Threw <laughs> <laughs> up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> feet. <laughs> Sherry and Carrie, not to bring it back on course. There you Had go. an interesting, interesting uh, uh, revelation about my fear of failing, my 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 anxiety to fail, not wanting to risk because of right. And the voice is saying you're going to fail. Right. So don't. Growing up, I was, to put it nicely, an asshole. I was belligerent. I was I would smart talk my parents. I would disobey them. And my dad would swear at me. And I would say, Dad, don't cuss. And my dad, I just remember this this morning, would say to me, you're enough to make a preacher cuss. And as a 10-year-old kid, hearing that from his dad, internalizing that defective, 
branding the wound that yeah. I was somehow defective. And that if I was enough to make a preacher cuss... He was a preacher? No. 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 But you I mean, of, you wear that with a badge of honor now? I feel like you do. Can you? I don't know. Or do you feel like it's affecting you today? I think it's affecting me today. I mean, I hope I can make a yeah. preacher's cuss at this point. I can. I didn't at that time. I right. wouldn't today. Right. Yeah. You know, but as a 10-year-old bull boy... Cool. Sure, yeah. but that's that's the transformation of the shit, right? Yeah. Like, you took it as something bad, and then you realize... Eh. But you're still... Maybe, maybe my parents weren't all right. No. Yeah, that wound, though, is still there. So where does that show up? Imagining the worst. Yeah. yeah. Of, of a situation. Uh, imagining... Uh, Friends are going to walk away. Uh, imagining my wife will have an affair. Imagining my kids will die. Imagining I'll get fired. My ima- imagine that is my default. How often do you go there? Uh, pretty regularly. Yeah. Have you get, well, you're obviously identifying it, so you're getting better yeah. at catching yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. What were you going to say, Arthur? Sorry. No, Chuck. Did I cut you off? I cut Chuck off. Oh, you said quite regularly. What does that look like? Hourly? No. Daily? Daily. Daily. Yeah. You know, All of those extremes or kind of just maybe one here and there? One, one here one and last, there. One lasts for a couple of days kind of thing? Yeah. I'm getting better at, at recognizing it. You know, somebody will just say something and my imagination will run with it to the worst scenario. I'll, I'll interpret what they say as more than what they said. Right. Yeah. And that's the hard part, I think, in any kind of a text conversation is because you are interpreting what they're typing yep. based on where you are, either at that moment or where you are currently. And, and I, I got, it was a good morning because I went out, um, walked along the waterfront. I probably walked for 45 minutes this morning by myself mm-hmm. and just thinking through those things and just identifying, okay, that's where that came from. I'm not going to let that so does that help for you? Yeah. For walking? What doesn't help? Isolating yeah. by myself. You know, going home, yeah. going home and uh, grabbing a beer and sitting in front of the TV and just mindlessly numbing myself just to say that. Just yeah. to get away from your own head? Yeah. That's why this, is, and I, I mentioned that this week as we talked, this has been huge for me because it has challenged me, but it has caused me to grow. See, it's funny. So, I've <clears throat> I recently started EMDR. Um, the Tuesday was my second, like getting into it session or whatever. Um, and I shared with Derek a little bit about like just some of the hesitations that I have with it, and you know, kind of like bullshit don't work, or I don't remember exactly how I phrased it, but. I think mostly you said it didn't work like you thought it was going to. Yeah, it, well, it's, it's very different compared to the rapid tra- transformation therapy right. that I did with White Raven. Right. Um, and it somewhat sucks because it's I have to be mindful on checking out. Like, I have to, like, it's not only do I have to do EMDR, but I also have to not disassociate. Right. Um, so, Tuesday... Um, have these buzzers in my hand so I close my eyes and 
my therapist is telling me to think of certain pictures or whatnot, and yeah, she has you breathe and, and yeah, you know, go into a yeah. So like the meditation. buzzers go for like ten to twenty seconds mm-hmm. time frame is what she said is what she has, and it's pretty rapid. Um, tap frequency, it. well, yeah. tap it, yeah, bilateral stimulation. I mean, they're not going to hear that. Oh, but yeah, it's like four times a second. Then. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's pretty quick. Back and um, forth, hand to hand, boom, boom, boom. Right? Yeah, and there was a few times, probably, yeah, I mean, it's probably half a dozen to a dozen times where it felt like it went from this to just, I mean, buzz, buzz, just back and forth. And I was like, oh, like that, maybe she's just fucking with the frequency on it, like, no big deal. Because she did say that, like, she can control it. Um, so we sat for 15, 20 minutes at the end of the session, and I didn't really feel like anything happened. We were just we talked about some shit, and I felt some crap. Um, and I asked her if she changed the frequency at all, and she's like, "Well, once, like, once. Explain that, you know, like tell me what you actually did." She goes, "I changed it from a, like a six to a six and a half. You would not have felt that." Your brain would have understood it, but you actually probably wouldn't have noticed. Mm. I'm like, no, no, you went from to this. She says, no. Like, that's fucking cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Susan's just staring at me like, what? I'm like, no, like that. It, it was eternity. Like something happened. Like yeah. there's a reason I did that. And you know, we just talked more, and she's like, it's it might be the disassociation, which. Sucks because I don't want to have to work at that. Yeah, that that is where it goes into dreams too because there's there's a lot of correlation between EMDR and your dream life because that's the part <coughs> of the brain that is actually stimulating. That's why they call it eye movement, yeah, desensitization and reprocessing. Um, and and so like in a dream, I've fallen asleep before and been asleep for five minutes. And felt like I was in a, a dream for an hour. Yeah, and my wife wake me up and yeah, it's weird. And you're, yeah. my wife wakes me up and like, how long was I asleep? Like five minutes. Yeah, like ten seconds. Like right? holy <laughs> shit! Like it felt like I was at, you know walking on a beach and there's like ships and everything and and it was an hour. It's just so weird. And that the, my dreams lately since doing EMDR have been been weird and intense. Um, I had a conversation with a friend today. And we were talking about, and so he he lost his sister, and 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 that was hard, and, and he went through kind of a mourning process. And he said, so he's a truck driver, and he he uh, he was telling me that he he was listening to Art Bell, and just at the place he was, he thought, well, I'm going to try this because he had a guest on the show that said, well, you can anyone can talk to the dead, right? <laughs> and so and so this person told him Which to lay. Is they may not talk back. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, he, the, but this person told him to lay down and just kind of breathe deeply for a while and then imagine this person um, that you want to, to contact while you're sleeping. So you, th- this person was saying you can do this in your sleep. And so he was thinking about her and, and kind of sad and thinking about their childhood and stuff like that. And sure enough, that night he has these vivid dreams. Like, you know... And, and is she speaking to me, or is this dreams about her and, and things that may have happened in his life if if this didn't go wrong or if that didn't go wrong? And and I I go, dude, that's EMDR. Like that's kind of what's going on. Like that person is bringing you into a first. You're thinking about it, like you're breathing and you're you're envisioning it, 
and then you go to sleep and then in REM state, you know, that's what's happening. I think that's what. So that's a scientific explanation for it to what this guy is saying is supernatural. What's that? Talking to the dead? Yeah, I would not go as far as to say that is a scientific explanation. Yeah, I would not say so. So you think he's talking to the dead? <laughs> I, okay, I have a so, question for so you. So s- science is, is a reproducible, proven thing. Mm-hmm. So that's not science. You can't, you can't measure it and you can't reproduce it in a way you can. Well, in some cases, people would say the same thing about EMDR. It works and it's got, it's got measurable data to prove that it's working for like PTSD. But people really don't know why. Like there's a, not a lot of yeah, but I mean, there's st- a lot of theories. Yeah, but the why, not knowing the why is okay. It's yeah, exactly. science still doesn't know why we sleep either. It's empirical science, so you're kind of looking at you're sending it through the big black box and measuring the data as it comes out the other side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what's the difference between the buzzers and the light bar? Is it just the way the therapist was trained? No, um, how it works on you. It's it's it's. So the way, so my first session, Susan used her fingers. Uh, she doesn't have, I don't think she has a light bar. Um, and she sat a particular distance away from me so that my, I had to effortly move my eyes, but all the way back and forth. And so she's doing this as I, you know, push my hands back and forth. There was a time where she said, excuse me. And then she went like this and she moved the... Her hands from side to side to vertical, like yeah. not vertical. It was kind of it was like northeast, southeast, or yeah, southwest, yeah. northeast, southwest. Yeah. And I asked her why, and she said it's just it tricks your brain into getting past the frontal cort, yeah, the frontal cortex. Yeah, yeah. Um, so said, there's a disruption just, in it. Yeah. yeah. She says you put the buzzers in your hands, hold them under your arms, your legs, you against your head. So do you anywhere. think that the the triggering of the disassociation is your own mind's defense knowing it's going, it's accessing memories and going after Ooh. that and then just, you know, responding as it always has. That and curiosity. Because when it, so when, and I don't know if it's actually the disassociation on the why all of a sudden, like, it felt like time was slowing down. Um, it could be a subconscious defense mechanism because I've done it for fucking ever one of the things we processed was still his first memory of um, my dad just beating the shit out of me I was like five years old and I've always thought that I didn't like being touched because of the sexual abuse and this comes up I mean that's where it comes up is when I'm five So, so it could be that I've just learned all of this shit when I was a really young kid and have used it. But I say curiosity though, because as I'm sitting there and time is slowing down, my brain is saying, this is like weird. Like, this is cool. Can I get slower? Like, can I, can I control this so bad that this hand, my right hand buzzes for eternity kind of thing. And it's just, I don't know. Like conceptioning it. Yes. Boom. <laughs> Have you been diagnosed with PTSD? No. I haven't been diagnosed with anything. The therapist that I went to when I was a kid was some bullshit. And then I 
didn't want to go ever again because they're evil. I, I just wanted to look. There's a lot of studies being done right now with for PTSD. I mean, one of the reasons that it's difficult to get over PTSD is that the you know you have this emotional response when you go to deal with things in counseling, and it prevents you from from dealing with it. Yeah. You know, and that it kind of sounds the same. Like maybe your disassociation is your own mind triggering. Like, no, we're not going there. Yeah, good. And 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 the thing that they're testing now is using MDMA to do what's drug MDMA ecstasy. Okay. If I was one of them, if you get a doctor, well, MDMA, MDMA doesn't get you high. Serotonin gets you high. MDMA just makes you release all the serotonin in your brain, which makes you feel high. Very. But it's a very specific high. It's it's different than like all other drugs. It's very unique because it is serotonin based. A lot of you know heroin and pot, they're they're all different. They, they, yeah. they deal with different parts of your brain. Um, so with with this, what it does is it seems to put uh, PTSD sufferers in a state where they can then do uh, what they call drug assisted therapy. So they use the MDMA to accentuate the effectiveness of counseling so then you go through the counseling dealing with your shit in this altered state that literally just makes you okay with talking about it yeah and would remove the need to like respond like ptsv victims do where they're where they're literally experiencing the the emotion and the fright of that original trauma all over again like there was no time in between um and then they 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 work through it and and the success rates on this are astronomically high, like crazy good, where even a year later, people don't qualify as having PTSD anymore when they're, when they're interviewed. And anyway, I just wonder if, 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 if your mind is still running away with the MDMR, that might be an interesting option to try if you could find a counselor who'd be willing to do it, because at this point, the way it works is you either get into one of the studies, or you find a counselor who's knowledgeable and read, read about it, and you say, if I come and I provide it, Will you help me do this? As long as they're not involved with the drug itself and you take it right before you get there, there are counselors who are open-minded to it. They just don't want the legal ramifications of providing the drug itself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with illegally taking drugs. For the record! So Chuck and I share the same therapist, and I just had a very funny thought. It's just sitting in the chair and looking at... at, at Susan is her first name, and going. I just took three hits of mushrooms. Let's do this. <laughs> I just ate a whole bunch of mushrooms. <laughs> should we wait five minutes before we start, or should we just start now? But, but going back to my friend's uh, talking to his dead sister story, this is, I think, some of the science of why shamanism works. Because shamans will do the same thing. Indian Americans. You keep using that word, but it's true. That's so. That's, that's what TTR is. Do you, would you like to be a shaman? shaman? No, science. Oh, yeah. No, I would. Would you? Yeah. Sounds like you a lot a, of training. You make a good shaman. <coughs> you kind of look like a shaman yeah. with yeah, a beard. Well, I, I need to be longer. It needs to be at least down to my belly button. You need an Indian American like room. In John's church. A couple of beads. <laughs> yeah. Or fuck. Mars Hill or something back in the well that Calvinism. I'm just I'm thinking of that'd be longer um, with some beads Freud. in it. I'm thinking of Freud. Fro- not Freud. Freud. <laughs> the hell is that his name from White Raven? Floyd. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's already in Floyd. Does he have a long beard? No, no. Oh. But he's a little heavier set. 
I, I'm not really, you know, native at all. Right. Um, You're not? So I'd have to... You're you know, native somewhere. Yeah. I'm native to Pennsylvania. <laughs> I'm sure they'd be super cool with you. Not for very years. long ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would go over really I'm well. a 16th yeah, no. Umatilla Indian. But anyway, we were... In so to get onto what you were talking about, Arthur, we kind of talked about this, too, as far as my... My experience of EMDR is somewhat different than John and Russ. So, Russ, you describe kind of like being on a train or watching a movie. I think yeah. that's how you refer to it a lot is watching Yeah, but I try to do the train thing. And so she was trying to... Because she's changed some of the therapy. Yeah. So when I started... I wouldn't know. Yeah, you wouldn't know because you started when she's... She went to some huge thing and training session, and so it's different. But... Uh, yeah, she kind of had me wanting to picture like being on a train and looking at a, a tablet or something like that. Like you're seeing this through this little screen, and but you can look out the window of the train. Um, but for me, it was better to picture myself like watching a movie, or if you think of being on a set of a movie where they're filming a movie. Yeah, and so it's not like I'm reliving the trauma, but I'm there That's as my a problem, witness. Though. Is I be being immersed? You feel like you're, in uh, yeah. You're Holy shit, that's the, PTSD. Yeah. Like yeah. if you're feeling like you're living it again, that I mean, it's even at White Raven. Um, I talked to Miriam after my process with her, and she said that she was very afraid of the fact that like she hurt me more than helped me in the fact that of how much I relived some of the bullshit. Mm. So you're reliving it like first person. Yeah. Yeah. Which is sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like least, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was able to 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 be a but it, what's weird is I I have these so in some of my sessions I have these instances where the teenage version of me is encountering little me, almost like a big brother scenario. Like, there's a teenage version of myself coming in and rescuing myself. Or, not necessarily rescuing myself, but but kind of telling me that, hey, it's okay, we'll get through this, you know. And using those that kind of language, which is interesting, too. Um, so I just processed. Uh, when I was a uh, second grader, uh, my mom and dad got divorced, and we moved to Mount Lake Terrace up here in this crappy ghetto apartment complex where I was being bullied by some kids. And so and my mom would leave really early for work, so I had to walk to school by myself. So I'm less than a mile from the school. But because of the bullies, I was, like, running through this field. And it was like a it was like an undeveloped lot. So there's, like, you know, trees and shit growing through there. But I could sneak through there without anybody seeing me, and I could get to school. Well, some of the bullies eventually figure out what I was doing and, and they were still they would like chase me through these woods right and so I had these like images of me being chased I used to have dreams about it like being chased through these woods and one day I actually grabbed a, a big fucking like butcher knife from my mom's knife block and took it to school with me because I didn't want these fuckers trying to kill me in the woods right so I bring this to school and I'm kind of being like the cool kid in this, the playground and I would show some of my friends <laughs> That wrong idea. Dumbass. Wrong idea. Yeah. 
And so, guess what? You know, fucking recess lady comes running up and Rust, what do you have? Rust brought a knife. Show me the thing, yeah. And I'm like, fucking, and it's like this fucking long blade on it and shit like that. So instantly, I'm in the office. Rust just measured like, about an inch. By the way. <laughs> so, yeah. So it was, it was. It was traumatic as a kid. Like I'm like, oh fuck, you know. And I was held back in that grade. I'm, I'm dyslexic. That was about the time they put me in some weird class where I sat down and wrote everything fucking backwards. Like she goes, here, copy this paragraph, and I wrote the paragraph on this uh, chalkboard completely backwards. You could hold up to a mirror and read it. And so, so it was just a really fucked up time in my life. Um. And, we, and so we processed that. And there wasn't a lot of tears and stuff, but it was interesting going through it again and how I'm on the playground. And the, I think the, the, you know, running through the field and, and that trauma along with being caught on the playground. Being caught was the scariest thing. Like all of a sudden I'm caught and she's opening up my jacket and this fucking big old knife falls out on the ground and I felt like a monster, you know? And so... Yeah, it was weird. Like, teenage me is all of a sudden he's there and he's going, hey, man, it's okay. Like, you'll be all right through this. We'll get through this. It's okay. Um, but, yeah, the adult version of me, I don't know where he is still. <laughs> like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm just observing this. as a, it, It's weird. So, so yeah, that's where I'm at. But I think the idea eventually is to integrate the two into one child version of myself. I don't know. Yeah, EMDR is a fucking trip, man. Or it's not. No, it's a, it's a trip, Chuck. It's a. I've, I've actually got a trip on you during EMDR too. Yeah. It's just a very different trip. Yeah. It's a different trip. No, right out of your body. A lot of it's cool. I mean, it's I've learned a bunch of stuff. Um, Did you have more vivid stuff with the with Amy and? and oh yeah. 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 Me too, to a certain degree, but I feel like the EMDR is a little more tightly kind of compacted and controlled. Well, it's definitely more grounding. Yeah. And no, not even grounding. It's... It's... You have a... It, yeah. You're bungee jumping with EMDR. You're skydiving without a fucking parachute with White Raven stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's... Trust that the net at the ground will catch you. Yeah. Right? We're not telling you where the net is. That's RTT. EMDR is like, oh, we're gonna, you're going to bungee jump. There's a 10 Well, I start bungee. with asking you how, on a scale of 1 to 10, how, how horrific is this thing you're about well, to process? The target, right? Okay, so let's take an example. My dad beat the shit out of me with a 2x4 when I was 5 for spraying uh, wood cleaner. My brother and I were spraying wood cleaner each other. Mm. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how horrific is that? Like, how, like, fucking absurd is that for you? Yeah. You didn't live it. Mm -hmm. Is that absurd? I could see how it would be hurtful, absolutely. Or traumatic. So, so why would it ever be a zero? Why would anybody ever rate that as a zero? What they're after, though, is how it feels in your body at the time. So not necessarily the image itself. Like, that's a horrific okay. thing to happen to anyone. So how does it feel in your body, then, when you hear stories of other people going through this stuff? It's not a zero. You have empathy for them. Yeah, you have empathy for them, sure. But that's on the outside. So that's a cognition. 
But I can forget about it a minute later and it doesn't affect my life. Yeah, exactly. It's not just like... it's, It's not like... I mean, I'm aware of all kinds of suffering in the world. It's not debilitating me from doing my job. It's not... Interfering with my relationships. Manifesting itself in behavior and health yeah. and and how you interact with people and yeah. See because that because that yes, that is absolutely a horrific thing. No one would deny that. But the way that it affects you and the way that it affects me, having it happen to you and not happen to me, that's very different. Yeah. So somewhere with EMDR and the the White Raven stuff. Somewhere Chuck is still little Chuck is still in there. Well, and that's emotionally. Yeah, and that's what's creepy too. Because, and we talked. Susan and I talked about this a lot. Is so she asked me, you know, like, okay, like, are you still being beat? Like in this movie, like, what happens? You know, it's like nothing. Like, it just ends. My father doesn't leave. I don't leave. I don't. I just. It's there. It's not like it's paused. It just keeps replaying. You know, like it's not going anywhere. I'm just stuck yeah, there. Yeah. Like it's totally stuck there. A looped gift. Yeah, it's awesome. A looped gift. <laughs> Man, talk about beating dead horse. <laughs> <laughs> you been beating that horse for decades now, bro. <laughs> Fuck. I had to share that again. It's been a while since I've shared the gift of beating. I like my horse. favorite is the well, British, now you're here on the British guy. Do you like I did the flipping horse today? Yeah, that was. Nice. <laughs> but it wasn't dead. We no. went from EMDR to <clears throat> to gifts. I didn't die from that. Are they sure. are they gifts or the GIFs? A giffy, giffy, gifs. That's a gifs. It's There's no J in there. It's not gifs. <laughs> but you can. But you know, you could be a, a Jeff and spell it with a G. So yeah, I struggle with that too. Like uh, so, you know, at the end of the session, like how how. Uh, totally just. Look, butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my thing was, at the end of that session, she said the same thing. I said, is it a one or a zero? I say, I go, well, it's about a one. She goes, well, how do we get it to zero? I'm like, I don't know. Like, you there... do your job. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you're climbing so there with I, a monkey, so right? I asked, I asked Susan, I said, you know. This is what I'm paying for. <laughs> She's like, you're right. I asked Susan, I, said, I asked her, I said, is there anything on this planet that could happen to you that you would not require or expect somebody to get to a zero with the MBR. And she said the only thing she could think of was losing a child. But she would fully expect it to get to a one. Like, bullshit. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know. I've only gone twice, so I'm no <laughs> fucking expert. Yeah. <laughs> See, yeah. grief is a thing. Like, grief takes... Everyone's got to grieve. you got to go through a grieving process. So... Could someone get to a one? I think it could nah, take years, but maybe. I met a couple that lost a kid eight years ago at White Raven. They've been there a lot of times. Mm. I was just talking to my mom, who was telling me a story about they had adopted three young Chinese girls, and their older, the oldest son was getting married, and just driving up the driveway, and this little four-year-old girl who loved the older brother, was super excited and ran out, and he hit her with a car and killed her. Killed her. Oh, and uh, she was telling me they went through EMDR, and uh, and the brother just had an unbelievable amount of guilt, like yeah. barely functioned. Uh, and, and they said it 
helped just a ton. Like, it took him a couple of years, but he really came along. He was basically, like, almost a veg- borderline vegetable for a long time just because yeah. he took it so hard. And then he... I mean, I'm hopeful for EMDR. Um, I'm not really excited about the work. However, it, like, is it really... You excited about the not working? Well, how's that working out for me? <laughs> How is that working out for you? Yeah. Well, I think anything that's overweight, divorced, it's fucking awesome. (laughs) Anything of value is hard work. (laughs) Yeah, it's all hard work, man. If it was easy, everybody. And I'm proud of you for doing the work. Yeah, okay. Most people wouldn't do it. A lot of people live in their shit and they won't face it. I I see a bunch of those guys in the street all the time. I give them soup. (laughs) Yeah, there's people that have. Gone through I give them food a quarter of what granola. you deal with, and they won't deal with their shit. No. no. So. A lot of them have theological jargon that they'll protect protect themselves with, and it's it's some of that's really sad. Idealistic jargon. It's not just theological. Yeah, right. idealistic too. But some of the theology is interesting too. Like even the even Jesus says, you know, repentance. Like, what the fuck do you think that means? Mm-hmm. Now, most Christians would say other people. Need to repent, right? That's <laughs> yeah. it's another word for just changing direction and changing, you know, the path that you're going. It's really what that word means. I think repentance just kind of means acknowledging the reality of how shitty the stuff was. No, yeah. like just kind of going into that moment of what just happened, and, and instead of living in this ideal place where you're kind of glossing over the ugliness part, you just fully acknowledge like that was really ugly and you live through that and you kind of grieve that yeah. right like like the shit that came out of this was really fucking awful yeah um, and it's not I'm never going to do that again I'm going to make a choice it's you go through the process and then you don't do it anymore because you have connected with reality strong enough that you just don't want to like, yeah. that's ideally how it works. It's not a you white-knuckling your way through it. Exactly. It's actually you. You change your want-tos, right. which is a big Well, one. you don't change your want-tos. Your want-tos change. Yeah. Because you are willing to go through the process of sitting in that shit and just acknowledging the reality of how ugly it was. And it's mostly a shift in consciousness. Rather than a stop doing that and do something good, it's more of a wake up. Right? Let's see this more of what it is. Yeah, exactly. Like, be conscious of your actions or, or how it's affecting other people. Um, yeah, it's, it's less about not doing the thing and more about realizing the gravity of it, right? Because wouldn't that then be a heart change? Yeah. Because heart, it points to motivation, right? That's mm-hmm. the analogy. It's an old analogy from old dead Jewish guys, you know? The heart beats from center, and the blood goes to your fingertips and your toes. Actually, the analogy is your motivator is what derives your life forward, right? What were you going to say? No, I don't remember. So, Chuck, you've been writing. You said you tried writing some stuff out. Oh, I didn't try. I I was successful. (laughs) So how did your successful writing go? Like creative writing or or just storytelling or what? No, well, it started really just started with some of the thoughts that I had. Um, and just allowing myself to go certain places that I've never allowed myself to go. Um, and it really stemmed from, there was a portion of the EMDR where I got 
angry. I wasn't mad. I was actually angry. And I stopped um, the buzzing session and... It's time to stop. Just yeah. told her, I'm like, I'm done. Like, no, we can't go down this road. Uh, I've been down that road of just being, like, over the top, like, lose your fucking shit angry. And it doesn't end well. I mean, it's... I literally told my parents that I would fucking kill them. And I had no remorse for it whatsoever. And I wouldn't have had remorse for it if I did it. Like, I've just been down that road. I've done things that I just... It's not that I'm not proud of them. It's just they happened and I wasn't really too happy with how, like, how I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, and Susan was okay with not going down there and just because I wasn't ready for it. She did say that we have to one day. And then like, that's fine. And so I just started writing. It's like, okay, well, let's fictitiously go down this road and see what happens. And it's... Like, yeah, it was good. Um, it's pretty fucking dark. Mm-hmm. Which, most of the time it is. Which is good. It's kind of the point. Yeah. But it's, it's nice because it's... And I've always... I've always just thought of this, you know, the, um, or used the analogy. So it's the Bible verse talks about the walk through a valley, of sh- the valley of shadow of death. You're not sitting there hanging out. I mean, that's pretty fucking creepy. I mean, you do, you actually follow through with the shit when you just sit in that darkness and live there. When you walk through it though, it's, um, I refer to the tunnel too as well. So it's like when you start walking down there, it looks really fucking dark and gross. It's darker and, and darker and darker. And it looks like it's never going to end. It's a rabbit hole that just continues to go into nothingness. But then you realize, like, oh no, shit! There's a fucking pinhole light on that other side, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And it feels really good, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's just climbing up out of the other side of the valley. Um, not that I got to climb out of the valley through my writing. Um, but I can definitely see the pinhole. other side. Right. It's not really a pinhole anymore. Right. Did engaging it in creative writing intercept the disassociation? Or did you notice it happening while you were writing and just kept coming back? Good question. Yeah, I know. <laughs> High five. <laughs> <laughs> High fives for people. I don't know if I... If I did notice or not notice. Well, if you didn't notice yourself not noticing, then maybe you didn't notice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't uh-huh. work. I'll <laughs> 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 have to pay attention to that, though, the next time I decided to write. I just wonder if engaging kind of from that angle is safer. It might be. It's been good for me, because I, yeah, because it, it kind of bounces me in and out when I'm in there. When I when I get to the point when I'm writing where I get to that really emotional stuff, it's fun rereading it because I don't remember writing it, because it just kind of falls out yeah. when I'm writing it. Yeah, and, it, yeah, and, it's, and it's kind of fun reading it because it's like, it's like it surprises me. Like, oh, like, I don't remember writing. Like, it's, it's reading it like somebody else wrote it. Um, but at the same time it also gives me time to take a break and just kind of be creative and be you know have fun with some of the lighter parts of the writing 
Uh, and then when I get to the dark, so it's got this nice kind of sinuous curve of it where I go really deep and write a paragraph that's really painful and then kind of bring it up a little bit and then go back down. Yeah, and, and, and something about the creative process, I think, does break through that. Just lets me access the emotions. Uh, kind of, you know, the purpose of EMDR is short circuits the whole thing and, and lets me get access to some of that stuff that I don't normally have access to. Yeah. But talking about it doesn't help. Like, And it's not just writing. It's got to be creative writing. Like, the fact that there's some type of creativity to it, again, I feel like it engages a different part of my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Imagination. Uh, right. Which is why people tend to use art therapeutically, right? Exactly. I got an F in art. Did you? Yeah. You got fart? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have I to love fart. Point. I got I love it. <laughs> you got an F in art. No, actually, it's not the it's low a point. It's a joke because yeah. if you take an F it's not and a... then there's an art at the end <clears> of it, God, it I was wrong. Spells. It keeps going. Now, now Derek explains his joke, which makes this moment even worse than the last. <laughs> okay, I'll be quiet. <laughs> it's a fart joke, people. At least it's not oh, British humor. Now it's clear. At least it's this not, not British, British humor. humor. That's right. Yeah. We have We'd all be we have listeners again. in the UK too, by the way. It was one of the cities that was up there. So, well, I was just thinking, it's not really our low point. We don't air our low points. Well, our super low points. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We air everything. <laughs> you remember episode fifty-seven? <laughs> This is episode 56 or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what number we're on. I'm so, picking one. Speaking of creative writing and all the artistry and shit like that, my wife went. My wife and I went and saw Deadpool 2. Which I heard is good. Yeah, it's good. And uh, is it as good as the first one? I don't know. But Dark humor? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, but it's funny. It's, it's funny, but it's... It's, but it's, it's not it's, dark humor. It's black humor. Black. Which is different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But it's it's uh, it has a a positive a positive I don't know if positive is the right word, but the message to it is is really good and and whoever wrote that's been through some shit like you can always tell the artistry of people who write shit like that well, people that connect to Deadpool have been through some through shit, some shit. Yeah. Exactly. like you can't connect to that character and exactly not and not have been through some, some shit, shit happened but it makes it like lampoons all superhero movies which is funny. Um, <laughs> I mean, he just and some of the some of the pop culture references are hilarious, but it's also dealing with really dark content. And uh, so there was a movie called The Wilder People. Um, I believe it's on Netflix. It was an independent film. It, it, it's it's really good. And there's a kid in that movie who is in Deadpool too, and who's dealing with his own shit a little bit, right? Like the opening scene in the movie is this kid. He's he's like gifted like an X Men mutant kind of kid, and he's having a, a bad day. We'll use those words. But uh, the kid in the the film, the Wilder People, it, he's a similar like he's playing a similar character, and um, like I identified with that with some of my EBR sessions, and because Deadpool is just a grown up version of that fucking kid, right? Yeah, and. Uh, and so I was like, wow, you know, as parts of that silly-ass, violent fucking film just about brought me to tears because I'm identifying with this this young fat kid who's being teased. And 
and uh, you know, it's like, I don't know. But yeah, go see Deadpool. It's good. If you identify with that guy. If you're listening to Punk Theology, odds like are Deadpool. Deadpool. you've seen the first Deadpool. <laughs> Have you seen uh, 13 Reasons Why, second season? Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the first season. You haven't seen the first season? Yeah, I watched the first season. It's good. It's it's yeah, yeah it's it's awesome. stirred up a lot of controversy. It did. Well, yeah, it did. My sister wasn't super happy about it because she no. works with a lot of suicidal people in it. Well, glorifies it a little bit. Mm, no, I don't think it does either. She's she struggled with it because she there's a lot of there's just as much controversy with season two. You know what? I think it gets people. I I actually know (laughs) young girls under eighteen who started talking about their depression because of that show. Yeah, and it 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 helps people engage their shit. Like it just does. As and, dark as it is, it's just and you know what the, the people who the people who were like pushed over the edge of suicide because of that were already there for so long and not dealing with it, and their parents weren't noticing, and their friends weren't noticing. It I don't care what anybody says. It, it absolutely raises awareness. Period. Mm. It helps people like personally raises raises it for people. Well, I haven't seen it. Sorry, I can't um, it's good. Express an opinion. Yeah. The second season was dumped on Netflix. The 18th. Okay. Um, and it's also super controversial because it deals with mass uh, shooting, which okay. happened... The Repeatedly? Repeatedly. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. In Texas, again. And Can our news stations just start like broadcasting across the top? It's been X number of days since the last mass shooting. <laughs> but it... Yeah. The, yeah, so I, I don't really care about spoilers, so I just went and... Googled why it was such a big controversy in the final episode. So you're going to spoil it for everyone? Oh, yeah. The Spoiler alert! <laughs> like, anybody really fucking cares? Don't tell me, Chuck! Fuck! Anyway, so the, one of the characters <laughs> is... is he's, standing, he's standing in front of the school talking to the kid that's going to go in and shoot the place up. And he's like, really? Like, if you think that... That's gonna fucking fix any of your shit. If you honestly think that people are, you know, like your parents are gonna fucking not forget about you in two years, or the school's not gonna forget about you in two years, fucking go. But that's some bullshit kind of thing. And, you know, and then supposedly someone comes, rescues them, and they go off into the night and sunset. Everything's better. And everything's fucking. Sunshine and teddy bears. There you go. Puppy dogs and ice cream. Yeah. So it's not really as dark because the darkness really would have been just the kid would have put a bullet in the other one's head and walked in and did this shit. Yeah. Which is probably what would have happened in real life. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think that a lot of times these people are not engaged. Like they have no, no one cares. You know, it's one of those things. There's no value in them, and they think that that's one last fucking thing to. Put them on the map. I think that if the news stopped broadcasting these I don't things, think it has it anything to do with last. value, though. At the end, I think it has everything to do with power. Yeah, but that's how I get my value. One last time, yeah. 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 yeah, I'm sure it's a hell of an adrenaline rush. I mean, I just remember the last time my mom hit me, and that's why I told her I'd kill her, and that was, yeah. Huge fucking power of adrenaline. Kids haven't historically ever been treated as well as they are today mm-hmm. in the United States. It's true. 
No. I just, you go back 100 years, and from then to the beginning of history, there is no nation that treated its children better than we do. They don't get more attention. The reason you had kids was to get hard labor. Yeah. Um, that was the exactly, idea. Yeah. I mean, the, the Bible has... If you ever think the Bible is whole and complete and God's law is pure and perfect, then go compare the laws that protect children in the Bible, which you won't find any, to actual human laws we've created today to protect children. Like, God didn't give a shit about children if he was writing the Bible. I don't think he was. I think some people were, and they didn't give a shit about children, which is why there are no verses in the law that protect children. In fact, there's verses that are like, hey, if they mouth off you, you can fucking stone them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, then there's always, you know. Somehow kids grew up and they they made it. Yeah. They grew up into people. Why did why did somebody write that shit down? That's always a better question to ask rather than, well, this is the the word of God and it just should be followed like literally. Which is not it's not written literally. It's written by a bunch of people over a lot of years and a different stories and the Old Testament's a lot of folks trying to figure out God. I mean, read Jonah. That's a great story of there's different gods, and hey, your fucking God is why there's a storms. So we need to throw your ass overboard. That's one of the most honest books of the Bible, except for the part where he's swallowed by a fish. Like, did that happen? Probably not. It's probably a you know a, a, an allegory, um, but it tells a pretty pretty cool story of of human beings and and it ends like I love how it ends because it ends more like a an independent film than a blockbuster right like it doesn't solve the dissonance because he's still there going fuck these people <laughs> I'm okay I, think my, I think the difference <laughs> is because when I when I say that then the question is why are things different today why are things different than they were a hundred years ago right. for kids why yeah why because an evolution of consciousness no it's because we have mass media, we have social media, because the kids that had it like shit before looked around and everybody around them had them, had them like shit, except like, you know, the king's son or whoever was in charge of their local and area. Anyway. Right, and everybody hates him, yeah. but they all like share together in their misery. Yeah. All the, you know, street urchins of old school London... Got made it through life because they they were all in the same shit together. They didn't have to talk about the Seahawks. They could talk about the fact that they hadn't had a meal in three weeks. And we have kids going yeah. to school with you know work. kids from have that have a, that have a ton with kids that have nothing, and we put them all in the same schools, thinking that's like a good experience for them all. It is, and they it's nice they now see <laughs> and they and they get that social media experience where you know the kids who are getting shit on get shit on more by the kids who are doing the shitting. Yeah. And so now the reason it's it's harder is because you get to compare yourself in your life mm -hmm. and you focus on how it's not as good as the fake shiny one that's on your favorite TV show, how it's not as good as the fake front that somebody puts on their life on YouTube. But how are we going to sell people shit if we don't give them this fake ideal that they have to pursue? Well, we, we will, and we sell the vast majority <laughs> yeah. of them, but we lose a few and they go shoot a bunch of people. Right. But capitalism is the most important thing, aren't they? I know. Not people. That's why we're at war. Right. There's enough people to lose. Gotta keep right. the war machine there. Yeah. Hopefully they don't shoot enough of them that want to join the military later when their life's a mess in high school. They got plenty. Oh, look, butterfly. <laughs> butterfly. 
butterfly. Oh, there's a puppy dog and some ice cream. What do you think, Steve? Steve's processing all of it. I am. Sharing and caring. Sharing and caring. My Sharing favorite carry. portions of the Bible, and it comes up because you talk about Jonah, um, is when they talk about casting lots. And it's like, really? You guys play dice. It's gambling, yeah. It's divination. To fucking well, throw Jonah overboard. Like, they cast lots. Yeah. It's like, wow, you gambled to... Throw Jonah's ass in the fucking... Because they tell us the truth, Chuck. Jonah, Jonah they outed, lied. They well, outed the, the faithful the man. What really happened is that Captain was a smart dude and he had loaded dice. And he knew he had to get rid of the <laughs> Jonah. The dumbass in the bottom <laughs> yeah. of who'd been crying and hiding. Right? Yeah, yeah. We're trying to save it's ourselves like, and you're yeah, right, crying right. in the bottom of the all of the dead weight. We cast lots without you. You had the short straw at the end. Yeah, yeah, you, you drew a short straw, bitch. Get off the boat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, back is screaming. But yeah, there was just a lot of different gods written about in the Old Testament that, you know, a lot. In, in all these books are written, and people are like, "Well, that's Yahweh." So they're all Yahweh. So from Genesis to, you know, all these different stories, I think that it's people just trying to get a grasp on the divine or the higher power or whatever's out there that's bigger than we are. Um. So yeah, I don't know. But but it fucks with people, you know. Theology fucks with people. I think that people who are hardcore Christians have a lot longer walk into healing than most people, you know. Are you blocking me? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because you're the only person who talks at the microphone. Am I talking at the microphone? Yeah, you do that. Do I? Would you like me to help so that Russ isn't the only one? You know one? what? I'm going to talk to the microphone now. We talk to each other when we talk. <laughs> you look at the microphone. I'm thinking about the listener. There is another person in the room. No, there's not. No, there isn't. Yeah, there's, there's no. no. Most okay. of them are oh, in San wait Francisco. A second, wait a second. Most of them are in San Francisco, if, motherfucker. If you're in the room, please say your name. <laughs> there's Did you hear that? It's I in the future. Nobody's in the room. Get the Ouija board, Roger. Get the Ouija board, Roger. That good buddy, Roger. Roger. Ouija. About twelve people in their car just said, uh, "Hey." No, I don't think they said. Uh, the whole point of this podcast is yeah. us talking to each other. Hey, Steve, land the plane. And Russ, shut up. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, we're going to land the plane. I think that we're afraid of facing the reality of who we may be behind the curtain that we present on Facebook, on Twitter, on Snapchat, that if we really looked intensely at them in the man in the mirror... Who would we see? And that scares the hell out of us. Because then we'd have to live with that. We like to pretend. We don't want to deal with our stuff, our shit. We want to keep pretending. Because like I said, or Chuck said, it's hard work. But at the end of the tunnel, it's great. Mm -hmm. I hope. I hope. Both pilots. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Thanks for listening to Punk Theology. Don't forget to subscribe. Like to join us in having more ears hear this punk sound?
please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you may hear this fucking podcast. Punk Theology is the property of Digital Audio Project, a limited liability corporation, who is responsible for its content. Don't chicken out! It's like I picked the wrong week to quit smoking. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. That's a huge bitch! It's like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. <laughs>